Chapter 2 of History of England in Words of One Syllable This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org History of England in words of one syllable by Helen W. Pearson Chapter 2 When the Saxons came When the Romans came to England, London was a mere group of huts. The Romans cut down the trees and built fine homes to live in and a place where men could buy and sell. Then, of course, coin came in use. They built, too, a good wall round the town of brick and stone, and a high, strong place by the name of a tower, which could be made safe to hold what was put in it. In times of war, they put their wives and maids and young ones in this tower. There were more towns which the Romans made fine. Bath was one of them. In Bath there are springs that are said to be good for those who are ill. So the Romans built fine baths and more than one grand house where they could live and bathe and drink from the springs. In York they built some schools. To this day things are found that the Romans left in Britain. When men dig in the ground to build a house, they sometimes find old coins or rust or bits of the plates from which the Romans ate. At times a man will turn up with his plough a bit of the old Roman tiles that they had to pave the streets. Walls still are found that the Romans made, and old spearheads and mounds where the dead Britons were laid to rest. On the bleak moors of Northumberland there is a long, low wall, half hid in moss and weeds. That is the wall of Servius. And Stonehenge still stands on Salisbury Plain. At last the Romans had to go home to take care of their own land. As soon as they were gone, the Picts and Scots came down on the folk in a swarm by land, and the Saxons by sea. The Britons were in such hard straits that they sent word to the Romans to beg them to come back and help them. They said, The wild tribes chase us to the sea, and the sea throws us back on them so that we have but the hard choice left us to die by the sword or by the waves. But just at that time the foes of Rome were fierce and strong, and they could give no help. At last the Britons thought the best plan would be to make peace with the Saxons and get them to help drive out the Picts and Scots. The prince who thought of this plan was Vordigira, and he made friends with Hengist and Hosar, 
two chiefs who led the Saxons. Both these names in the old Saxon tongue mean horse. It was the way of the Saxons to give men such names as horse, wolf, bear, and hound. So as Hengist and Hosar drove out the Picts and Scots, the folks had to let them stay and bring their friends. Hengist had a child, a fair girl by the name of Rowena, who won the heart of Vordegira. She gave him wine in a cup of gold at one of the feasts, and said in such a sweet voice, Dear King, thy health, that he was won at once. He made her his wife, and she kept him the friend of the Saxons. We would not know much of those days, save for the tales and songs of the old bards, who went from house to house at the feasts. They sang of a bold King Arthur, who had some friends by the name of knights, and how well they fought the Saxons, and how they kept part of their land from them for years. The Saxons brought in more and more of their friends, and took more and more land from the Britons, and went on to crowd them out, till the poor folks had to live in Wales and the lands round it. The Saxons did not know the true God, and for a long time they stayed in this new land and did not learn the Christian faith. They were tall, with fair hair and blue eyes, kind to their friends and fierce to their foes. They were known as Saxons, but their real name was Angles, and the land took that name Angleland or England. From then came the English race and tongue. The old Britons who had gone into Wales still talk their own tongue. The English call it Welsh. The Saxons who had most of Britain in their hands had all sorts of gods. The chief of these were Woden and Thor. Thor meant thunder. When they heard the great crash of a storm, and a fierce light leaped in the sky. They thought that four had struck a blow. They thought that their gods kept the best place in the skies for the brave who fell in a fight, and they did not well care for acts of love, but all their aim was to fight. They did all sorts of wrong things, and were not kind to the poor. One of their worst acts was to steal the young and send them to Rome to be sold as slaves but God brought good out of this great wrong. One day, when some girls and boys were set out in the place in Rome, where slaves were bought and sold, a good priest by the name of Gregory went by. He saw the poor young things so fair, with their blue eyes and long light hair, and the sight made him sad. Who are they? he said. Angles from the Isle of Britain. Angles, said that good priest, say angels, for they look fit to be the heirs of light. When he found that these poor things knew naught of the true God, his heart was full of grief. He sought to find out a way to send men to England to teach the faith of the Christian. He was glad when he heard that one of the chief English kings 
had wed a princess from Paris, who was a Christian, and that a priest had gone with her to her new home, and a church had been built. Gregory then sent a priest by the name of Augustine to the king and queen, and they, with a crowd of folks, met them at a tree in Canterbury, and heard him preach of the true God. In time the king and his court gave up Woden and Fore, and on that same ground where they met that day now stands the great church of Canterbury. Seabert, one of the kings near Kin, built on a bit of marsh near London, a church where now stands Westminster Abbey, and one where St Paul stands now. When this king was dead, Edwin, king of Northumbria, who was so good and had such a firm rule, that it was said a child might go through his realm with a purse of gold and be safe, thought that it would be best for his land if all had the Christian faith. He sent out to call in the folk from all parts to hear the truth. One of the priests of the old creed spoke for the new, for he said he had found out that the old gods were frauds. Look at me, he said, I have sought to serve them all my life, and they have done naught for me. If they had the might, they would sure have had the grace to have made me rich, to pay for all I have done for them. At the end of this odd speech, the priest rode off and threw his lance at the place where he had so oft pled for the rights of false gods. So, in the course of time, all the English left their false gods and learned the Christian faith. The next prince of fame was Egbert. He laid claim to the throne of Wessex. The king of Wessex had a wife, Queen Edbire, who had a way by which she dealt out death to those whom she did not like. She would mix some drug in a cup and give it to her foe to drink. Once, by chance, the king drank too, and at his death the folk rose in great wrath and drove her out of the land. When years had flown, men said that in the streets of Rome they had seen one in rags who sought to beg her bread. They could see that she had once been fair, and some knew that poor wretch who had not a place to lay her head had once been England's queen. So England grew to be a Christian land, but the folk were still rude and rough. The men had not much love for aught but the hunt or a feast. They wore a long dress like the smock of men who now drive carts, and wound strips of cloth on their legs for warmth. A house in those days was all on the ground floor, and had a hole in the roof for the smoke to go out. There was no glass in the land, save some that had been brought from Italy, for the church in York, and it was fought a great prize. When it was time to dine, the folk sat on stools with cross legs, or on a bench of wood. They had square bits of wood for plates, and then the meat was brought to them on spits. Each one cut off a piece with his own knife. They had no forks, and they drank out of cow's horns or rude cups.
straw was laid on the floor, and from time to time fresh straw was put on top of the old. Einar was one of the kings in the part of England then known as Wessex. He had the wish to have his folks learn, and old books say that he went from house to house to get pence to send to Rome. These were to pay for a school there where he could send the young men. For at that time all the men who knew much of books were in Rome. These pence came to be known as Peter's pence. So some of the young men from England went to Rome to school and they were taught to read and to write and to count. They could paint too in books as was the mode then and they knew how to sing and play on the harp. When they came home, they taught the folks what they knew, and were their priests. They took care of the poor, and were kind to the sick. Then the kings gave them gold and lands, so that they might keep up the schools and all their good works. In this way, the church grew to own much land. End of chapter 2